0: If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 19, and uh, I grabbed a giant chunk, I don't know if we're going to get through all of it, but uh, how are you guys doing? So 2 Samuel 19, and we're going to pick up today in verse 16, but Lord, we ask now in Jesus' name that you give us ears to hear all that your spirit is saying to the church in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Well, we left off last week when David was encouraging the people to receive him back into Jerusalem to become his king. He did that through the priests who became his ambassadors and went and told the guys that when he comes back, there's going to be mercy and grace and there's not going to be revenge and, and anger. And a matter of fact, um, Amasa who was the head general for Absalom, he said, I wanna promote him to be my general. Joab, you're fired. Of course, David's been trying to fire Joab for a long time. We'll see if he's successful. But, uh, and so the people just saw the gracious heart and and they're coming out to, to meet David. And we ended last week on verses 14 and 15 of 2 Samuel 19. And so he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they may send the word to the king, return you and all your servants. So the king returned and came to the Jordan. So until they came and said, we welcome you to be king. (laughs) Jesus there on the Mount of Olivet said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times have I wanted to gather you together as a chick, chick, as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. But now desolation is going to come and I will not return until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in that spirit, we see in Hosea 6, 1, where it says, come and let us return to the Lord for he has torn, but um, he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. And in Malachi, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And so as we, before we start heading in any further into the message this morning, there may be some of you right now that are wondering, is it too far for me to return? I have returned two or three times. Um, Is God getting tired of this? And guys, I just simply want to say, God's arms are open wide all day long. Where your sin abounds, his grace will abound more. He, Peter said, Lord, how many times shall we forgive our brother? Seven times. And Jesus said, 70 times seven. And then in Luke, it adds daily. So if our Lord is saying that of us, multiply that times a Googleplex uh, for our Lord. And his heart of, of love. And he knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. As a father pities his children. So he pities us. And he crowns us with loving kindness. And tender mercy. So right now there may be some of you. That have come this morning. And and right now before we even get going. You're like I just want to return to God. I, I feel so afraid. I feel so distant from the Lord. I'm, I don't know if I'll be able to have ears. To hear what God's saying today. Well, right now, he's willing. Think of the thief on the cross, hands tied, feet tied. He had no ability to do anything but to believe in the grace and the mercy of our Lord. And what was the Lord's response? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. So if that's you right now, I'm going to pray a prayer and just return to Jesus right now with a full heart and full faith. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive you, not only of that sin, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Our Lord, in Ephesians 5, says he's our husband who constantly washes us in the water of the word that he might present us without spot or without blemish. The pressure's on him, not on you. Only pressure on you is to trust in him and his goodness and his love and the power of the cross has said, "It is finished." From your first sin to your last sin, all the roller coaster of your life, your weaknesses, the high moments, the low moments, the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of His all the days of your life, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But you need to have faith in our Lord right now and be willing to receive that. Let's pray. Lord, there's some no doubt here today that right off the bat, you are giving them faith through the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God to say no matter what I've done, no matter how deep or dark or horrible, how long or how many times, your grace is sufficient. The blood of your cross and the death on the cross was penalty enough, payment enough for all a lifetime of a million lifetimes of weakness and sin. You got us, Lord. All you're wanting us to do is just respond to your spirit. And right now, cry out, God, I respond, I return. And I thank you that you're so full of love and kindness and mercy and grace. And because you paid the penalty of my sin horribly, difficultly on the cross and rose again, I can just come right now and open the door of my heart once again and say, Lord, please come in and you will. Take the throne of my heart, Lord. I I choose right now to walk by faith in your nature. And right now I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life once again. And now believe. Rejoice. Now rejoice. Sorrows but for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now rejoice. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for putting the shoes back on my feet, the robe and the ring and and having a feast at all of heaven's rejoicing over me returning and allowing you to return to me in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Woo, all of heaven's rejoicing, the Bible says. Yeah, thank you, Lord, yes. All the angels are up there doing a little uh, Irish jig, I think, I don't know. Well, in verse 16 now, the tribe of Benjamin, along with Judah, is coming now to come out and greet David. But notice who's at the top of that Benjamin list Shammai. Hmm, we're gonna learn, talk about him in just a second. And he hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And there was a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba. Oh, here's another guy at the top of the lead. We remember him, right? The servant of the house of Saul and his fifteen sons, impressive, twenty servants. I think he's trying to impress. And they went out over the Jordan beyond the king. And the ferryboat went across to cross the carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shemai, the son of Gerar, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. So this is, is, it's almost wanting to intimidate David by saying, here are the tribe of Benjamin, sort of the leaders even of the tribe of Judah, which is a much bigger tribe. Now, if you remember back in the book of Judges, there was a horrible event. Benjamin sort of became like Sodom and Gomorrah the tribe of Benjamin. And to make a long story short, God ended up wiping out most of the tribe of Benjamin. Almost all the men died. And all the other people of all the other tribes just said, I don't want anything to do with you Benjamites. But the tribe of Judah honorably said, we will use our men to marry the Benjamite women so they can raise up children to their husband's name, their dead husband's name, So the tribe of Benjamin continues. So after that time, the tribe of Benjamin and Judah basically became one. And that's sort of an important point as you study through the Old Testament. Because now you sort of got Judah and Benjamin separated from the other 10 tribes from way back then. There's this bitterness against them But now as we go forward, it's always the 10 against the two, which really is seen as the one, Judah and Benjamin. But at this particular time, because Saul was a Benjamite, and he was so powerful, the Benjamites became wealthy and, and predominant people in the entire nation of Israel. But now David is from the tribe of Judah. And so now there's been this civil war between the two the really one family into two between the Benjamites and the, and the tribe of Judah, and they're trying to blend back together and come out as one. And we discover, interestingly, that the two guys that were sort of at the lead of all this is this guy, Shemai, that we're gonna look at, and another guy, Ziba, two guys that one very openly tried to hurt David and one very secretly, deceptively tried to hurt David. Well, Shemai comes out, and he says all the right stuff. He falls down on his face before the king, and, and he said, Do not let my lord impute iniquity to me, in verse 19. Or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph, to go down to meet Uh, my lord the king boy Shemaiah is a perfect example of one repenting he comes out with zeal he's the first He, he men could do that men can't but god can a matter of fact the bible tells us that god is powerful enough to scatter our sins far as the east is to the west to be remembered no more And so here we again see a picture of David as the Messiah, as Jesus, uh, as an illustration of that. And this guy's sin, uh, again, David, when he came out and he was kicking dirt, remember when David was at the lowest point, his son is trying to, take over the throne, and, and only a handful of guys are going with him. The whole nation's against him. He's he's just trying to get out of Jerusalem and get out across the Jordan, and this guy Shammai follows him up on the top of the hill, kicking dust and cursing him and saying, you were evil when you dethroned Saul, and now God's bringing that evil on your heart, and all the things that I was saying was just Lies, but we see it that this is twenty-year-old stuff. I mean, this this David's been on the throne for many, many decades now, and, and and so this guy is just fresh, and and I believe he sort of represented the whole heart of Benjamites at this time, and and he thought there's no way David's going to win this battle. He's a handful of guys, an old nation hates his guts, and feels the way I do, and and um, but notice, skipping to verse 23 real quick, notice. David's reply, and the king said to Shammai, you shall not die. And the king swore to him. Do you remember back in chapter 12 when David had committed adultery at Bathsheba and killed her husband Uriah? And for a whole year, David just thought, God can't forgive this. This is too great. This is just too monstrous. God's a forgiveness. And and, and for almost A year, he's just melting inside. He said, literally, it's like his bones were melting away inside him. And um, then finally, Nathan comes and reveals the sin. and, and And David said, I sinned. In the same verse, God said, you're forgiven. And David, after that, writes, surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was an immediate forgiveness from God. And now freely, as you've received, freely give. David is immediately giving Shammai that forgiveness. I I love this quote by Spurgeon here. It says, perhaps you have been like Shammai who cursed the king, and you are afraid that Jesus will never forgive you. But David forgave Shammai. Jesus is ready to forgive you. He delighteth in mercy. I do believe that the harps of heaven never give to Christ such happiness as he, as when he forgives the ungodly and says, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. You know, this is Satan's main plan, is to get you to think that God is up there dissatisfied with you, disappointed in you, angry at you and when you come for forgiveness he's like ah again man you're wearing me out you just irritate me you're always coming in forgive me forgive me I'm just tired of dealing with you that's what Satan wants you to think and it couldn't be farther from the truth God has crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies and every time you come to him whether it's a a big thing or a little thing you know I, I think of us when our little kids are outside playing and they come in and they, their knee they go oh my knee and they're crying like a you know they need an amputation and they're like right there and you, you can't see anything and They're like, okay I need a band-aid and it's like I don't know where to put the band-aid right there right there can't you see it I'm bleeding to death and what do you do you you whip out the best Mickey Mouse band-aid you can find man and you give that little thing a kiss, and you put a Band-Aid on it. Now, what if your kid comes in 15 minutes later, want another Band-Aid? You'll just keep putting Band-Aids all over that kid, right? And you'll laugh. This is, this is our Lord. He, he, he only rejoices in us. His thoughts of us are good and not evil, never irritated. And this is where we need to understand. He understands our frame in this human sinful condition. No good thing that dwells in us. Oh, wretched man that I am. He understands. He was in human flesh. He sympathizes with us. Don't ever let the devil give you in your brain or don't let your own sinful nature put in your brain that God is irritated, disappointed, upset. He knows your beginning. He knows your end. You never surprise the Lord. He has saw all things you've done a zillion years ago. There's no surprise to the Lord, but he chose you. So you must be a winner, right? He's going to finish that good work. Well, you know, again, Shammai was this guy who did evil to David at a very, very low point. And uh, Abishai is like, I got to kill that guy. And David's like, leave him alone. Maybe he's prophesying. Maybe God sent him out here. Maybe he's right. Maybe I need to hear this. Just leave that guy alone. And, and of course, Shammai thought the next time he sees David, he's going to be dead. But here comes David back to be king. And I don't think Shammai saw this day coming. And, but yet he knows of the great kindness of David and throws himself at the mercies of David. I, I, I can't think of a more fitting time to speak of Romans 12, verse 17 and 18. Repay no one evil for evil. Well, not, not the Shammai. That doesn't, that doesn't refer to such an evil man as Shammai. Yeah, it does. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. He does. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It did depend upon David. It doesn't always depend upon us, does it? You can go to somebody and say, please forgive me. And they're like, no, (laughs) get away from me. I never want to see you again. Well, it's not in your control anymore. But David, it was. In Ephesians 4.32 and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, David in his lifetime was always able to find a reason to be kind and merciful and loving and forgiving. Well, he didn't have any major trials like I've had. Saul tried to kill him, chased him around in the desert, living in caves and and, and more than once after David saved him, he still tried to kill him. And we could keep going on down the list. Ahithophel, his best friend, betrayed him with Absalom and, and, and talked him into violating 10 of his concubines and, and then wanted to kill David himself. Yeah, David, David went through probably more trials than most of us. But what does love do? When you truly live in love and have a heart of love, What does it do? It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That love never fails. You say, Brian, it seems like we've heard this a lot through the life of David. We have, we only have a few more weeks, about three more weeks, I think. And then we're heading uh, after that into the gospel of Luke. We're gonna probably do something in between, but we're gonna be leaving this season, when God has pounded and repounded this concept into our heart to understand the graciousness of our Lord. So soak it up while you can. The gospels are not as kind um, as uh, this example of David. Well, I don't want to leave short to tell you about the future of Shammai. Later on, after David had died. He gave Shammai all the way to the end of David's lifespan to truly show forth fruits of repentance. You see, it's not up to us to judge. We just forgive. And if that person hasn't truly in sincerity asked for forgiveness, and then they turn around and they're doing other deviant stuff that shows, you know, God's going to bring it to light in his time. God's going to deal with it in his time, but I don't have to. God's got it. We go on in that Romans 12, and it says, don't repay anyone evil, but trust God's vengeance. It's mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So David gave Shammai his entire lifetime to have a change of heart, not just in words. But when Solomon came on the throne very wisely, he's like, Mm, you're not living, you, there isn't a fruit of repentance. So here's what I'm going to do for you, Shemai. Solomon very wisely said, I will let you live out your lifetime in Jerusalem, which was no p- penalty. Jerusalem was one of the major cities of the time with every luxury and people group and entertainment you could imagine. But Shemai, after three years of that, some of his servants left him which in those days you were to treat a servant like you would your own child. They were not to be unhappy. But these guys are fleeing from Shemaiah, but Shemaiah left Jerusalem to go out and grab these guys and beat them. And, and then he comes back in Jerusalem, all self-righteous. And Solomon says, did you leave Jerusalem? Well, I, not really. I mean, I, I had to go out of Jerusalem to go get my slaves, but you understand they left me. I had every right to go do that. And then after that, he was put to death. So God's got it. And in his timing, he's gonna make it right. But notice when David shows such mercy to Shemai, Abishai once again wants to kill this guy. And in verse 21, Abishai the son of Zariah answered and said, Shall not Shemai be put to death for this? What kind of message are you given? They can come and kick dust on people, spit on David, and, and, and disrespect the king, and then later David will forgive them? You can't run an empire like this. That's craziness. He cursed the Lord's anointed. You you can't live. And David said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? And this is an interesting statement. For do I not know today I am the king over Israel? So David's heart was right. It was a thousand years before Jesus. And a thousand years earlier before Jesus would come and give us this example David, as it says in Acts 13, was a man after God's own heart who would do all his will. We get to see this heart of Jesus a thousand years earlier. Later, Jesus would say in Matthew 5, verse 43 and 44, to prove that David got it right. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. And as Emma, as a, Uh, Abishai would say and hate your enemies yes okay love these people that are welcoming you back David but hate those guys that that hated you but I say to you no 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 love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said this blessed are the merciful for what they shall obtain mercy but, but I'm just in judging them. Yeah. And later, people will be just in judging you. <laughs> do you want that? Do you want justice? Do you want you to be judged the, harshly every time, justly the way you should be? Or do you, when you stumble and fall, do you want mercy? And then in Matthew 5 9, blessed are the peacemakers. This is what David was doing. For they shall be called the sons of God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.15, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. So boy, this is just a message in the New Testament that's just pounded. David got it right. But there are these guys that were saying, humanly, that is wrong. You know, Satan is always going to get you to doubt, walking and following Jesus. He's going to always try to point out the flaws in God's thinking. Husbands, love your wife. Be careful; they'll walk all over you. Wife, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Never, oh, that's that's, you know, good fifteen hundred years ago. But you know, we're that's oppressive. They always want to point out somehow that God's messing up here. This is Satan's ploy. Did God really say? And it says in Second 2 Corinthians 2.11, Lest Satan should take an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. When somebody's showing mercy and grace, there's going to be Satan come in and saying, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're being crazy here. You're not being human. You're not being normal. You're being like religiously hypersensitive, and you're messing up. This is what Abishai was saying, David, I'm glad you're such a merciful guy, but you're getting it wrong. In second Corinthians 4 and five, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal of this earth but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And here it is in verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that what? Exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So Abishai is saying, no, 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 no. This is not the right attitude, David. And David's like, get behind me, Satan. This is what I'm doing. But he had to fight for it. And again, the blessedness of bringing unity and peace. Later, David would write in Psalms 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the edges of his garment. So when they anointed him as high priest, they anointed him with oil and just dumped this big, gooey bottle all drenching him and everybody's laughing so hard at that time just unified and anointing Aaron as the high priest it is like the dew of Hebron descending from the mountain of Zion and there the Lord commanded blessing life forevermore in second Corinthians thirteen eleven, it says finally brethren farewell become clean be of good comfort be of what one mind Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering. Here it is, bearing with one another in love, putting up with each other, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Jesus said, the world would know we're his disciples by the love we have for each other. You think about it. Christ brings people together that would never be be together outside of these walls. Vast different in personality, vast economically, vast politically, there's a giant difference in, in, in many people here, but yet when God's spirit lives in us and we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have this amazing, beautiful unity that's so powerful. It's necessary in Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which what? No one will see the Lord. This, this is not an option you need to figure out how to love the unlovable. (laughs) You need to figure out how to be in peace with the unpeaceable. And you need to learn how to have mercy and grace upon the foolish, the weak, the sinful. That's what we're called to as followers of Christ. But David says something interesting here at the end of verse 22. He said, or do I not know today that I am king over Israel? So, In essence, Abishai is saying, you need to let everybody know who's the king, who's the boss. And if you wrong the boss, you die. So don't any of you ever let us know you're thinking the thought of disrespecting the king. And David is like, I'm not insecure about this. I never raised myself up to be king. I didn't kill Saul and force my way in. It was God who brought me to the throne and it was God who brought me to the throne again after Absalom. Interesting, in Proverbs 23, 7, it aptly says, for as he thinks, or as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, Jesus gave us this example and then the epistles command us to see Ourselves, as God sees us, and no one else. I, I I can't I can't tell you how important this point is. We are to see ourselves as God sees us, and no one else. Satan's the accuser of the brethren, but you know who does a better job of condemning us than the devil? <laughs> yeah, our wives. I mean, no, I mean ourselves. Excuse me. I, no, my wife's absolutely wonderful. Never ever. Just trying to be funny here. Um, <laughs> we condemn ourselves. And then of course other people get attitudes and and, and they can't let them go. And, and and people love to criticize. That's our default in our nature. But we see Jesus in John 13, three, it says, Jesus knowing that the father had given him all things into his hand, all power, all authority, and that he had come from God and was going to God. To be God was was not a difficult concept to Jesus. He knew he was God in human flesh. He knew he was the son of God returning back to the father, knowing he was the king of kings, the Lord of lords, What did he do? The very next thing it tells us in John 13, it says he put on the apron (laughs) with all power and authority. I am the top. There's no greater authority than me. What did he do? He bowed down and did the lowliest job of servants. He washed the feet of the apostles because he knew. The Lord wants us to know what about ourselves. In Revelation 1.6, it says, He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever, amen. We are kings and priests, specially anointed for God. Where are we going? In Revelation 5.10, it says, He made us kings and priests to our God. And one day we shall reign on the earth that we are going to come back in the millennial reign and be kings and priesthood to our God for a thousand year millennial reign. So the Lord is making it just emphatic here. You need to see yourselves as anointed by God as kings. You need to see yourself called into the ministry. Every one of us are ministers. We've been anointed. God has asked us personally minister to one another, knowing who we are, knowing where we're going. Let's humble ourselves as the kings and the priests and wash one another's feet. In First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That's us. That's how God wants us to see the church, the bride of Christ. And then to walk in the truth of that. In 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, who has saved us? Who has called us with this holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. In Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you understand that? We are his special work of art that God, before time began, has laid out before us a special plan and purpose for our life to be exceedingly fruitful. And we need to see ourselves through his eyes that every day we walk as kings and priests, God has an amazing purpose for our life that we should walk in this. Well, finishing up this chapter with Mephibosheth, He now comes out and falls before the king. He hasn't bathed or groomed or taken care of himself since this whole thing happened with Absalom. And David questions him because Ziba, as you remember, had told him this story that a Mephibosheth was siding with himself. He thought David and Absalom would kill each other off and then he would start ruling and reigning as uh, continuing the throne of Saul. Ziba had this big story and and to David at the time, it was exceedingly discouraging because it was again, right after Shammai kicked dust on him, Ziba shows up with this story about how Mephibosheth, this guy that David had showed so much grace and love and mercy to, this son of Saul, this grandson of Saul, son of Jonathan, that David had just pierced him. And so now he's coming back and Shammai humbles himself, and he's like, you're forgiven. Mephibosheth humbles himself, and he's like, I, you know what, I don't get this, and then Mephibosheth tells a very different story. It's interesting reading the Proverbs of Solomon after these stories, but remember the one proverb that says, don't make a conclusion until you hear both sides. David had made a conclusion. He told Ziba, everything that was Mephibosheth is now yours. But now he comes back and Mephibosheth said, Ziba is a complete liar. And David, I don't think was ready to buy that because Ziba had been such a loyal servant to Saul and now him. It's hard to imagine Ziba being so evil. But Mephibosheth says, He planned the whole thing. He got all of the goods together. He told me he was putting together a donkey for me to ride on, and he took off out of town. And I've heard the story he's told you. Opposite is true. And David hears the story and says, "Uh, okay, you get half and Zeba gets half. I have no idea. It's hard to imagine Zeba out and out, dog face being wicked and lying. And it's hard for me to imagine you're doing that, Mephibosheth. Somebody is, but I don't know. I just, 50-50. Now, why I find this very interesting is I think Solomon was a young man at this time. And he's watching this. Well, Mephibosheth responds, I don't want anything. All I cared about is my king coming back to his throne safely, I am, I got all the reward I want. Zeba can have it all. And David said, Well, 50-50, that's what that's in the story. And that was the end of the story. Until we come to Solomon's reign. And remember, there was one lady who was living with another lady, and one lady's baby died. And in the night, she switched out her dead baby with another lady's baby, and they didn't know what to believe. And they come to Solomon, and, and Solomon probably remember this story. He said, well, I, I can't tell who's telling the truth, who's lying, so cut the baby in half. And the ladies who baby it was said, nope, 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 it's hers, let her have it, it's, it's hers, I, I, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know." And Solomon said, no, it's yours. It was very wisely, but it was very discerning to see which one was willing to say to the other one, They can have it all. All I want is the life of my child. Now, if that's what I get. Interesting story. Well, we're going to end there today. A lot to chew on, a lot to think about. And next week, we'll look into chapter 20. And they can have it all. All I want is the life of my child. Now, if that's what I get. Interesting story Well, we're going to end there today. A lot to chew on, a lot to think about. And next week, we'll look into chapter 20 as David is securely upon the throne, but the division continues. And Lord, we just come before you now as we go line upon line, precept upon precept through your word. We ask that you would just let your word go richly into our hearts, settle deeply into our lives that we could be a people after your own heart who do all your will as we have been reminded and re-reminded and re-reminded and re-reminded to have this heart of you, Jesus, that we see so profoundly in David. Let it be in us. Let there never be a heart of a lack of mercy or love or kindness or goodness Give us that heart of you, Lord Jesus, towards us who bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things because of your great love in which you have loved us. Now fill our hearts and freely as we continue to receive daily of your kindnesses, daily of your mercies, Lord, let us live to give that as well. And as we go into this time of worship, Lord, just do a deep work. Hmm. There'll also be some leaders on the sides and down front. And this is a time that if you need to get out from your seat and come forward and say, hey, I pray that prayer. We got some materials to give you. Or, hey, I just need prayer. My heart be touched and forgiven. and and uh, Or whatever the issue is. You can share it or not. They'll just lay hands on you and pray for you to be blessed. If there's any sick amongst us, we'll anoint you with oil and pray that you'll be physically healed. Or if there's any depressed, let us pray for you. And God, to re-strengthen your heart and your emotions. Let's just yield to him now.